0: When I work with you, I feel like, ah, oh, finally put it on you and I can relax. Like, I know you'll take care of it. And I wanted my employees to have that same sense as well that this is a place where they're appreciated, where they're happy and they are productive and they feel valued.
1: Hey, everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have you, my unicorn. I have a guest today who's super, super special. She has created a name for herself out of nowhere, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. Asai Arasi is a social media strategist and lead gen expert with a background in behavioral change. She comes from the corporate world. She knew human psychology, and it's so fascinating to me that with this background in HR and corporate, she was able to create an entirely new digital service business and scale to an agency, and we're going to dive down deeper into that in this episode. First, I want to say Asai is one of my work group members. Now, last week on the show, we had Jason Nunez talking about his agency, and Asai also a work group member and giving insight into that. And aside, we're going to go a little deeper into what it's like to have an agency and her recommendations. When do you think it's right to start one? What can you do to set yourself up? And really what makes someone successful in an agency, but also as a service provider? This is a common theme and you should be feeling pretty piping hot about it if you are one of those standout people. Now know this, she is an introvert and she has been uber successful, invited to stages to talk. Like I'm just, so amazed that A, she's in our community and that this level of support and serving continues in our work group. And we'll tell stories about that one too. So this is really a episode for you to prepare yourself for options in the future and also really lean into relationship building because it's the referrals that make the difference. It's how you do the work that makes the difference. And Asai really gets that. Okay, so if you you thinking you want to work with people like Asai and me and Jason, join us in the work group. We're going to be opening the doors very, very soon. Within the next week, go ahead and get your application in. The link is in the show notes of this podcast. We would love to have you in our community. We have these networking events. We support and troubleshoot and encourage each other. We have advanced marketing trainings. We just had a roundtable going over membership models and how we can support businesses that have this subscription reoccurring revenue model. Asai was on one of those panels. We've had a launch manager panels. This November, we are going into a portfolio challenge, but it's really so that we A, get better at our own services and we stay up to date, up to speed on what's happening, but also so we remember to work on our businesses, prioritize ourselves, and get to this place where we can be like Asai, where we have a multi-team model where we don't have to do all of the work. For some of us, this agency could be your ticket. And we'll talk about the mistake I made in my agency and why I am more ready to do that now, but what I had to go through to really understand how to be successful first. It all ties together beautifully. If you love this episode, please tag Asai and I over on Instagram. You can connect with her at socialconnection.in. And I just want to give her the biggest props in the world for scaling this agency model from India, from having such an all star reputation, and for turning back to the work group and making it a better place. These are the type of people I want to work with that I want in the work group. And I hope this is you and you apply. All right, let's jump into our conversation. All right, hey, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here as one of our very valued and dear to work group members, sharing your experience in the marketing world and with your agency. Tell everyone a little bit about you and how you got started, because you have such a cool startup story, and we want to know more.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm really excited, and I'm specifically love telling my story because I feel like more people need to hear it because I feel like my experience is not that uncommon and you know we've talked about this my story before so when I started right I I had just come out of 12 years of corporate experience I was in HR I was in training I was dealing with people I was I was organizing behavioral change training and All my life, like I felt like I've been reading books and I've been working in training. I felt like I've always been involved in psychology and human behavior in some way or the other. Right. And it was actually at the end of those 12 years when I was personally going through a really crappy divorce and there was all of these horrible things happening. And I realized that, hey, when when I quit my job, I didn't have anything to show for it. I had to start from zero once again. When I apply for a job in another company, yes, that's great. I'm going to start at a higher position, but I still had to like prove myself and work my way up and all the goodwill and expertise that i had established, it's all gone. So that's when I decided I don't want to work at a nine to five and just do this whole thing over and over again and not be valued at the end of it. I want to build something for myself. Right. I love it. And it was crazy. Like I started so many things. I tried it. English as a second language, you know, I'm from Chennai, India, and I know that a lot of my success came because how well I spoke, uh, because of how well I could communicate, and that opened a lot of doors for me. And more importantly, it allowed me access to a lot of information, a lot of education that you wouldn't otherwise have, right? So I started coaching I started teaching and I was doing career coaching and I was doing I was helping people land jobs and one of the things I realized is that anything that I took up that this is the business that I want to start I was obsessed with getting clients results right so when I said that hey I will help you I will help you revamp your resume revamp your LinkedIn and help you go after a job if you want to make a career change I was obsessed that no they have to get that job Because that is like whether or not, I know a lot of us, we talk about how, you know, it's not on you, it's on the client, that the client has to take accountability. And a lot of course creators talk about that, a lot of coaches talk about that. But as service providers, we don't have that liberty, right? The best service providers, we tell them that I will get you there as long as you trust in me, you trust in my process, and you're willing to work with me. You're willing to look at the numbers, you're willing to make the investment and you're willing to trust the process, I can get you to that path. I feel like service providers in a lot of ways, we are so much better and such bigger experts because of this, that yeah. we do,
1: we, we get that obsessive
0: about getting our clients results.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that. Results are so important to me. And I kept playing a Selena Gomez song in my head where oh my God, I'm going to blank out on it. But where she's like, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of you. I'm thinking of you. I can't let you out of my brain. And I'm like, that's how I feel about my clients' businesses. Yes. When I first onboard them and I'm like, oh, we could do this. We could do this. We could do that. And mm-hmm. that's what they really want and value out of us is they want that teammate who's mm-hmm. thinking about them. And I know they're mm-hmm. like, oh, every time you think about somebody, you should build them like at a consultant level. And that's just not realistic, but like yes. that's the value that you and I add yeah. to somebody's business is we are coming up with ideas, even when we're off the clock and we're bringing it back to them and we're helping them get to that finish line. So I love, I love that because that's what makes us booked out. Exactly.
0: And so when I started, that was the exact mindset that I had. Like I would think about, I know that this is the end result that they want. So a lot of the time, initially people hired me for SEO website copywriting youtube like get me seo and i was like yeah i'm gonna write the content but ultimately what is it that you want you want traffic you want conversions you want results and i started obsessing on okay how do i get you that right in fact and at that point i was working with clients in india who had very little education and understanding of how digital marketing actually worked and i say india but i know there are still a lot of clients everywhere still don't understand the power of SEO and the power of playing the long game. Right. hundred percent. So, yes. I had clients, like I wrote five articles for them. I spent a lot of time doing keyword research because at this point I was also investing in learning a lot. I saw that, Hey, the more I learned about marketing, I saw that, Hey, this is what I've been doing. I've been doing psychology and human behavior and marketing is just another vertical using the same principles. So as I started investing in courses, I started learning and I started writing and I, I wrote five articles for them and they were like this is great but i don't see why we need to pay this much money for articles so you know no like i think we have enough i said okay that's that's great we'll part ways and i'll move on and then i started writing more. I started getting better exposures and increased my rate. And I started working with international clients. And six months later, they came back and said, hey, you know what? 90% of our website traffic looks like it's coming from the five articles that you wrote for us. So can you come back and write more? I said, sure. But now my prices have 10x because that's the value that I provide. So here are my new rates and we can work together if you like. Oh my God, what an
1: amazing story.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's how we scale. And, And I love telling the story because a lot of times as when we are starting out, when you're building a business, we hear people like, you know, charge your worth. I could not have charged 10x right out of the gate. And if I hadn't charged that amount that I did, I would never have had the money to invest in myself and learn and like be at that level and do the grunt work and earn my spurs. Yeah. Right? And I felt yeah. like I did that
1: at that point. And that is such a confidence boost. And we say this all the time on this show that you need to be able to claim results and outcomes. Mm -hmm. And then that's how you move into the bigger fish ponds, which I talk about, but I did the same thing. I was doing Pinterest at $10 an hour and then started to see like, Oh my God, look at all this traffic. Now we're getting like tens of thousands of page views a month from work I did that continues. And I have kind of a similar story I had a client. She was kind of a red flag client. She fired me. I actually have a whole episode on this, but she actually fired someone on my team and thus me. But long story short, I had access to her Google analytics and I went back into it one day and guess what her top traffic drivers were. It was the work I had done, the work before I brought on a teammate. And so I I felt really good about that. But I love that story because so many people are like thinking they start up here. Yeah. It's not the reality. Sometimes, even if we have a marketing experience or the corporate experience you had, Mm -hmm. we still have to get in that mailroom and prove ourselves. But the cool thing is in the online space, it sticks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what were your first marketing services that you did? Was that it? Or how did you go from HR to marketing? Honestly, I was
0: trying to, like I said, I I was starting my career coaching business. I said, I'll help you get a job. And right. because I was that obsessed with the results, like no matter how ba- like how good you are or how bad you are or how big a leap you want to make in your career, I can make it happen. Like I got okay. people jobs. Like that was it. Like, yeah, you are. And, and, and people kept sending people. And some of them like, he's my brother-in-law has been unemployed for months. And he thinks he wants this job that he's not qualified for. Can you help him? I said, sure. I got him two jobs. I mean, he got fired from one of them, but <laughs> I got him two jobs, right? So- then I started. okay, so then I want to market myself, right? I want to market this business. And then I went into started looking at, okay, so what are the different options available for me? I looked at SEO, I looked at YouTube. And the more I started implementing it for myself, and I started seeing results, the more people within that course I said, hey, we are not seeing the kind of results that you are. So can you do this for us as well? Oh, right? and I gosh. Thought, hmm. Okay. I said, huh, this is more fun and more money. So I think I'll do this. Because I think I'm really, really good at this. And it's easy for me and it's fun for me. So you know what? That's what I'm going to be doing now. Because it's about human psychology, right? Everything that I've learned. And and I talk about how I came from Chennai, not knowing anybody, anyone having no connections, having nothing, and not even having enough money to invest in myself. I couldn't even invest $300 in a course. The first ever thing that I bought was a Sunil and YouTube course. And I didn't have money for that. And I had to like take a client, make money and put all of that in there, live with my mom and just like sort of scrounge around and make that happen. And I did. And then I scaled. And when I scaled to an international look like where I am today, uh, when I looked at that, I started looking at okay, so how did that happen for me? Because a lot of people like me who want to grow, who wanna get bigger, but we don't want to become, we're not comfortable. A lot of a lot of people like me are not comfortable doing reels. Right. Like I like friggin' admire. I know that I I like and I like almost everything that you post. I'm sure I'm one of the first people like, yeah, liking that. <laughs> like, I really admire how with how much energy that you show up. But a lot of us don't. I don't. I can't do that. Like I tried. I made one reel and there was this, I was just tired from <laughs> having done that. And from the people that came up and I had to like interact with every single person, knowing fully well that they're not going to be buying from me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're not going to be hiring me. Out. So I didn't have nothing to sell. You generally have to hire me and they can't hire me. I didn't have that. So I had to like, but something has to work. So I started trying different, different things. What is a form of marketing that will work for me? That is sustainable. That's not going to burn me out. It's going to allow to continue to allow me to work with clients, train my team and be present in my family, but still be sustainable. Yeah. And I knew it had to be social media because I can't do in-person networking. I can't go to networking events it's from Chennai. None of these are options for me. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't have money to join high-figure, high-ticket masterminds, which is another place where you can meet clients. So I was like, what do I do? So I started testing. I started experimenting with different things. And the things that worked for me, I started testing for clients. And with the same level of obsession that everybody has to get results, I started testing it for clients and started working for everybody. And then I started looking at, okay, so what is this? And that's how the social connection framework came together. Because it's a proven method that anybody, regardless of where you are, where you want to go, which industry you want to work with, you can break through and you can build a successful, really, really successful business.
1: I love that because so many one of my biggest objections I get from people interested in my program is, but do I have to do social media? And they mean in a self-promotion way. And I love how you found a way, to make it more about relationship marketing and not about reels, which by the way, I have a video background that I do enjoy, but I also just disclaimer, I had to work through some head junk and I had to do things and do one take wonders and push through it. But it's not for everyone. And it's also not required. And marketing is so fun like that because each client's business is different too. Like, we can find ways to adapt and think differently and bring new strategies. And I just got off the strategy call I was telling you about, and she doesn't need her community on Facebook. And we we're talking about LinkedIn strategies and her business is so different. It got me all excited because of the possibilities, but it, it's not the stuff that's going to work for me.
0: Exactly. Like we have clients who shows up on stories every day. We have a client and she's been with us for like two years, I think uh-huh. almost two years now and she shows up on stories consistently she's super comfortable posting reels and she's she's right there and and she just leans on us for strategy we only do text posts she works with like super niche CEOs of these tech companies that none of us who create products that none of us even understand what they mean, right? <laughs> and she works with them and she needs to connect with them. So she doesn't need to do reels. She doesn't need to yeah. be on Instagram. So she's on yeah. LinkedIn. That's a completely different strategy. But what works here ultimately is that it's not about the content. It's not about what you do. And I think as unicorns, we understand that it is not about the how. It's about what you want to achieve. Yeah. And the why, how we get there is really really customized and personalized for each client on how they want to get there and that's why like full service like that's why I decided to scale to an agency and I know that's why you train unicorns because it is not that hey you need to post on social media to get this you need to do SEO to get this yeah. ultimately it's about all of these are vehicles to build relationships with your clients with your leads with your audience and you can choose to do it in a way that's sustainable for you.
1: So what was the tipping point for you going from the beginning where you're looking for clients to now where you're booked out? I see your name everywhere. I see people referring you. You're one of my top unicorns. Like, talk to me what happened in that that period.
0: Honestly, this is what I wanted to close our conversation with, but I think it's super relevant now. The biggest reason I get a ton of referrals and I'm everywhere and I do a horrible job of promoting myself. If you go to my socials, it's like a graveyard there. Like I do some IG lives with some clients, but I don't post. I don't show up. consistent. I don't do any of the things that I do for my clients, right? That's that's pretty much how we work. So Right. right. Program, right? But the reason it happens is because I did that. Like number one, I get results. People mm-hmm. who work with me, the average lifespan of a client with us, if they work with us for longer than two months, Meaning they fit with us, like our values fit, our process fits. For some clients, it's not a fit. We had three clients who have not worked with us longer than two months. Sometimes it's not, right? And people who work with us, they keep end up working with us for like a year and a half, two years, three years, right? Because we we do anything. That's the biggest secret in succeeding as a service provider. Do a good job that's like it's so ridiculously simple and when you do that you teach us you teach us what you do you teach you share so generously everything that you are doing you are learning and it's super helpful for me you know that I don't even pitch that much in the work group I don't do the no. that much. <laughs> but I just lurk I don't even ask too many questions but I learn so much from seeing the way that you operate so I'm seeing the value that you share from the kind of work that you do for your clients right it's about consistently obsessing about getting results for your clients Once you do that, people refer people, right? But that is just one part. A lot of unicorns do that. But relationship, when it comes to relationship marketing, you need to do one more thing, which is often what where people fail at, which is what social connection makes it easy to do. And that's the secret why, even though I don't promote myself at all, it always feels like I'm everywhere.
1: I love that because it piggybacks of a lot of the things I've been talking about new VAs especially get so obsessed with how am I going to find that next client? Like, where am I going to find the clients? Is there an ROI? And I'm like, just concentrate on the one you have now and wow Mm -hmm. them. And I'm Mm -hmm. in a lot of networks and you're in a lot of these networks too, where they're having such a hard time Mm -hmm. finding the reliable person who actually can deliver on the results, who actually communicates who doesn't ghost, who says when they're working on their things. And it's not that hard. And I've had so many guests on this podcast saying they're not special. They have a good work ethic, right? Yeah. This is this isn't easy work, but yeah. it's easy to shine. Would you agree with yeah. that?
0: Yeah. Like that's, that's 50% of the job, right? Just show up, do a good job. And like you said, communicate with your client, right? So yeah. and that's pretty much what I did. So if you look at the tipping point for me came... When I started showing up and working with bigger clients, and they started referring me to bigger and bigger clients, right? So when I started doing that, but here's another thing, I still don't have a website. Like, no way. <laughs> I don't have a website because every time, like it, it always feels like there's something else more important that I should be working on. So the last time I thought, okay, I should, I should probably have a website. That's when my business blew up. And I was like, okay, then I decided to focus on hiring and training. Right, And I chose to scale that way. And that's another thing I want to touch on. Like, it's not for everybody, but scaling for me, the agency model made a lot of sense for me was because I'm very good at strategy. Even though I don't promote myself, I don't talk about this a lot. Like I get results for my clients because I have an MBA and I have 12 years of experience in corporate and I have a lot of work experience even from before that, right? And I read a lot. I obsess about learning new things. So right now I'm learning about astrophysics. Because I know that it's not just about learning things in your discipline. It's about learning new things. That's how you make connections. That's how you do a better job. And because I do that, I have a wider variety of industries I can work with. So when client comes to me that this is my business, I understand it because I have a wider variety of knowledge. But then I grew as an agency and I scaled that because now I bring on experts who are experts in implementation. Right. I, in my team, I have a graphic designer, I have copywriters, I have tech specialists, I have video and audio editors who are experts in what they do. And when I started scaling my agency, one of the biggest thing I did was bringing a culture of the level of obsession that I have about getting clients results. I want every single person obsessed that way. So we have a profit sharing model, we have a work sharing model, and we have the kind of culture where every single person be we- talk about okay what's happening with the client like you said we think about our clients businesses as of our own all the time so we scale like that so when i started doing that because now i have clients and i'm making more money i invested in rice watts automated intimacy course right okay and and, and the ridiculous thing was a lot of the calls most people wouldn't show up i heard i I heard (laughs) Yeah. And I used to have two-on-one. There was Ray Schwartz and Phil Powers on the call. And I used to get like every week, I used to get like two-on-one and hours worth of coaching, just like just me. So oh I would show God. them what I was working on. I had these complicated, so I was setting up for the SaaS, uh, this client, I was, we are setting up this super complicated uh, automation, like it like scroll up to like pages, that automation was bonkers crazy like even I had my tech person set up even I have to like look at it and really focus to understand what it was So I'll show it to fill. I was like okay here's the problem that we're having what do you think so they saw the level of work that we were doing uh-huh. and that's how they they recommended me to Brenna when Brenna said hey I need somebody to set up automations and tech set up for me oh. and so I started that's how I knew Brenna and I started working with Brenna and I started so yeah she hired me for automation but like you said we are unicorns, so we don't stop at, okay, this is what I'm hired to do. I'm going to stay in my lane. We don't, we're very yeah. bad at staying in our lane. So I said, okay, <laughs> this is what you're doing. Hey, here are some other suggestions of other things that we can do. And she was yes. like, oh, that's amazing. Would you like to come and speak on Behind the Launch? I was actually on the panel for the first Behind the Launch. It's something I'm going to be proud of for a very long time. Yes. But she invited me because one, we did we do the work. And number two, you have to have the intelligence, the chops, the skills to actually show up to play at that level. Otherwise, you can't reach that level. You need the skills. Marketing visibility will only get you so far. You need to have the level of skill to play at that level. That was the tipping point for me. That's how I got invited as a visibility coach with the Robin Kira's think tank. I was, Ray Schwartz invited me to be a mentor in his community. And I'm everywhere. People invite me to speak because they know that I bring something that they haven't heard in other places. or I bring a unique perspective and unique strategy, which they want to share with their audience.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you've even been in our work group on our panels and it it really is because you are a team player. Like it's clear, you know, things, it's clear, you're smart. You work with several clients, you bring that perspective, but it's that team player attitude, which is the community we're trying to cultivate, which it really brings us all up. And so I appreciate you. You were on the um, membership panel where we talked about that, Uh, the launch manager, Roundtable too. And it's all like marketing on steroids. Both of those are like next level marketing. And I love that you nerd out like that. And I have to say, I'm going to call out my friend, Jess Brooks. She's in Rye's program right now. And she was like, I think I'm going to quit. And I'm like, don't quit. And like, it's $97. Like stay there for the connection, the FaceTime with Rye. And I have to tell you, he, he has the first copywriting training I've ever watched blew my head. Blew my head with what he knew. And I was like, I'm in, I have a brain crush. Sorry, Neil Patel, move over. <laughs> and just the way he taught things, I just like, it was very new to me. It was also 2019. So like, I was still yeah. kind of learning a lot about copywriting. But yeah, that's the power of the network. And like, I just can't harp on this enough. You pay to put yourself in those circles. Yeah. You know, you, ha- you had to do that. You had to be proactive. Yeah. And yeah. you even said in the work group, like you're not there for the jobs. Like yeah. you're there, you're there for the connections. Yeah. And it
0: paid, right? Like I said, like I was there for the connections, but I, the way that I show up is by consistently doing the work and showing up and showing people that here's what I'm capable of, which is why yeah. the, so that's that's actually the very foundation of social connection framework, the relationship marketing framework, that it's not enough to show up. You have to show up a certain way if you show up people are like oh cool here you are again nice to see you but if when you show up a certain way it's like hey you do social media right I know somebody I think you should beat so there is a difference in the way that you show which is why I can get away by showing up very minimally and still get those interviews and still get those summit interviews and still get invited to speak on bundles like last week I spoke at a in a membership I did a coaching there and she said can we do a follow-up IG live people would like to hear more from what you have said. And if you're if you're selling anything, like oh, I'm considering creating a new offer just for therapists for that reason because the audience was extremely receptive. Right. So it's yeah. about showing up in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Uh In doing that. And that's the thing, you have to show up like that everywhere. It's not just in your marketing with your clients. You're always doing that. You show up for your clients, show up for your prospects, you show up in these networking events, in your peer communities, you show up so people know like it's consistency. When you show up consistently like that, you become a brand. So people know what you're about and they feel confident about recommending you to other people. Because as service providers, we make mistakes, it happens right it's it's not not possible like it's possible to sell the perfect course because somebody else is doing the implementation and the mistakes you're selling them the perfect recipe recipe is always perfect but as cooks we have great days sometimes we have bad days sometimes we have we make mistakes and sometimes no matter how hard you try it just doesn't work right and during those times it's your value it's how you show up that's what saves you i've done that like i've made mistakes or i've had Happened. Like I've had right. And I've had clients who've been complete red flags and they've done a lot to ruin my reputation. And when I was very new, I took that very hard and I said, I'll refund your money. I don't want any ill will, just even though I've done all the work here, all your money back, like I don't want any problems yeah. here, even though I know that the mistake is not on me. Yeah. But now I think, no, this is what we agreed on. This is the stock. I have that confidence to do that because I've built that visibility, because I've done this stuff, right? So yeah. even when it's difficult for us to promote ourselves, it's still important to show up. Like for instance, so Kevin Rogers had come to a call with Justin Blackman. Again, four people on the call. It's like bonkers to me that people would, I was like, no, this time And he said, Kevin Rogers, no, I, I'm going to show up for that. And when I t- talked about myself and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a social media strategist. I do this, I do this. And I stopped and Justin said, yeah, she's not doing justice to what she does. He also does this, this, this. I never knew Justin was paying attention. Like he knew about, I was like, how do you know all of these? I don't even show up consistently. It's about being memorable and showing up strategically. Yeah. So he knew all of these things and he was yeah. able to tell Kevin Rogers about me, which is a line I never thought I would say in my life. And to I be mean,
1: yeah. And Kevin's in a boat where he's like working with thousands of copywriters and can now be yeah. like, oh, you know, you'll be memorable for this and can refer you because you had the nerve to show up turn on your camera, say the right things, build that relationship. Oh my God. I love it. I love that story. Okay. I have a question about the agency model that you're doing Mm -hmm. for anyone who's in a boat where they're thinking about running an agency. It's not for everybody. So I would like to know who you think it's right for and what Mm -hmm. would be the first steps to set somebody up to do an Mm -hmm. agency and knowing that, you know, you talked about developing the right culture, you know, I know that's really important in making sure everyone is doing exceptional work. I told you that client fired me earlier. That was back when I had an agency and somebody just decided she didn't want to work that week. (laughs) And so I've been a little bit burned by that, but I also know we have to be strategic and leverage what we're good at. And at some point we cannot be spread thin and do everything hey, I'm going to stop right there and interrupt you. If you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking, yes, I want clients that will value me. I want to be involved in writing projects and marketing projects. If you are a marketing freelancer or marketing assistant, I'd love to have you in the work group. Our enrollment window is open right now for a short time. So get your applications in. This is a community where we have job leads, networking, advanced trainings, and the community and the support and referrals you need to hit your business goals. We'd love to have you use the link in the show notes to apply or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash workgroup. All right, back to the show.
0: So if you are considering building an agency model, the first thing you have to remember is that it's about managing people. Like your employees, like managing your employees, the, the way you treat your employees is how they will treat your clients. So you have to be very clear that is that the kind of thing that you want to be doing? If somebody somebody is very creative, I like writing, I like doing that, I like problem solving, and that's only what I want to do, then you're probably better off scaling as a specialist than yeah. an agency model. But if you are a people person, like I love talking to people, I love managing people, then agency might be a right step for you, number one. Number two, if you truly want to build passive income, agency model is the best way to build a passive income but it's not easy it takes time it is a long game i started an agency the first person i hired was towards the end of 2020 and now i have five full-time employees and earlier this year was the first time i took like 10 days off together and i prepped my team but the whole time i think maybe three times i logged into my email but my (laughs) team kept everything going and everything was smooth even though we brought on Four new clients two weeks ago. and It just completely accidentally. Everybody that I was talking to, suddenly they were all like proposals were signed, contracts were signed, invoices. I was like, what is happening? I'm supposed to go on a vacation now. But my team kept it going. But it didn't happen overnight. Like I remember uh when I started it around 2021, I used Crisp for noise cancellation. Crisp sends me remote reports of how many hours I spent on calls every week. And I used to spend 40 hours on calls. No. So there was like a period of three weeks because that's when I hired two new copywriters okay. and I was networking, I was doing sales calls. I was training my employees. I was training them, I was hand-holding them, cheering them okay. how to do Because okay. it doesn't matter what experts you learn, you still have to train them. That's a mistake. We think that if I hire somebody out of the box, they'll be perfect and they'll start working and you can be hands-off. It does not work like that. I had to train them a lot and it took me like three months to be that hands-on. And then it took me three more months to learn to be (laughs) hands-off and like stop micromanaging. That's the thing I had to learn, right? But I have experienced previously managing a team in my corporate job. As a head of training, I I did manage people. So I knew what that entails. Obviously, it's different when it's, it's your own business. But I had to do that. So it was extremely difficult. I was completely burnt out because after 40 hours of calls per week, I still had to do client work. And the, those three months are the hardest I have ever had. And maybe you don't have to do it as me. I scaled very quickly. Maybe you don't have to. I went from $2,000 months to $10,000 months really quickly. Wow. right? And with new people and so a lot of work, new clients, it was, it was a lot of pressure. But it was worth it for me. Because yeah. once I built that, now that team member, she independently handles four clients herself. I only spend four hours a month on those four clients everything else including client handling client management she handles and i do that now because now she's trained she's, she's she's been with me for three years now sai and she's amazing and she does all of those things and she's passionate about what she does she's clients love her they're all like even though they're talking to me they're like, you know what sai will do this you just tell sai to do this she knows what i <laughs> she knows what i like clients love her because she's an expert at what she does right and yeah. i've brought on new people i had gautam who's a tech specialist the Client told him to set up something, he added so many bells and whistles to it. The client is like, Tell Gautam he's a smart. Right. Okay? And I have a new team member, Meena, and like I've trained her. And she does she's she's now starting to be hands off and handling clients on her own. And I still do the strategy. I talk to the clients, but this is what I feel is true passive income. Because now I don't have to make decisions about these clients. I'm mentally free. Oh and I think God. that is the that's what you're chasing now i'm able to be with my family i'm able to focus on what i want and i'm focusing on okay now let's do a web let's create a website cuz it's ridiculous now i've been featured on multiple books i was featured as a, in the six figure freelancer by copy hackers i'm being showcased on summits and it's it's a little bit ridiculous that i'm not getting backlinks for all of the visibility that i'm getting so you know maybe that now i'm free enough to do that and, and like good stuff but it is hard So you have to be ready to create that culture. And most importantly, the culture. And trust me, I've hired five people. I've fired seven people, the people that I've hired. I'm quick. I'm like, I know that when it's not going to work out, it was not an easy decision. I hate confrontation, but I still did that. It is still a learning curve because you have to learn how to recruit, how to think, how to know and how to train and how to manage, how to retain. And how to continuously train and how to make sure the quality does not suffer how to build out internal processes. It is a lot, a lot, like I don't want to say it's easy. It is a lot. I almost got completely burnt out doing it. But (laughs) once it's done, the sense of freedom that I have now, it is unmatched.
1: I'm glad you addressed that. And it's like, you know, that minute spent organizing like pays off an hour. And that's really what you're doing. You're setting yourself up to remove yourself from the business more or less. And the other thing I like about the agency is it's something that is sellable. So if you do want to walk away, you're not completely tied to be the face of the business like like I am to mine right now or Amy Porterfield is to hers. And so I found the agency part hard when it came to the people management, because I personally have not had people management experience. yeah. And so Now that I'm five, four or five years into this business and I'm, I have more people on my team, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like a muscle I needed to flex and work through the art of delegation. But you also know, this is the reason I started my course. It was like trainings internally because I just found people weren't weren't there at that level. And so now that I think I have, I have a pool of people to choose from, it's a lot easier. So bringing people onto my team, once they've been through my program is kind of my MO. <laughs> I'm like, you, you, you come work with me. Cause now you're, you're here and now I can take you up here, but I'm glad you addressed that. It's definitely not for everyone, but how could somebody set themselves up to take on, I don't know, like even their first subcontractor to be able to help them.
0: First, I would say definitely hire instead of hiring full time, give yourself a little bit of grace, either hire part time or hire a contractor. So you can sort of learn how to manage that person, how to manage expectation. And you have to do like the fastest, the most personal development that I saw within myself was when I was learning how to lead these people. Being a creative expert is very different from being a leader. It's a worthwhile journey. Right? So there are tons of books and resources on that. You have to learn what your leadership style is. A couple of books that I really, really recommend to everybody. One of them is called Personality Plus. It talks about different personality types. It's like a shortcut. Obviously, okay. people don't fit into specific templates, but it really helps you in understanding what people are and understand their motivation, understand how to talk to them understand like for instance sai loves it when she she loves the challenge she loves a problem she loves me telling her this is what we want you can do this here are some resources go get it she loves that challenge me thrives when i show her this is what needs to be done here's how i do it and here are some of the other resources now how else would you do she likes to be shown how to do this right and then she takes it and completely runs it and like sometimes the emails she sends like i completely forget about monday open there's an email from me i'm like I never sent an email. So Venus drafted it and sent it. It was so perfect. It was completely in my voice. It's about the things that we talked about during the week. And she completely captured my voice and my essence and all of the things that I wanted to say. Because she's done that, right? Because I showed her a couple of times how to do it. So you have to learn. So you have to pay attention. You have to listen. It's not about you. Once you hire a person, it's not at all about you. It's not about how you want things. You have to pay attention to the other person and look at okay where the gaps are and how you can address it. So that is absolutely step one. And step two, you are responsible for the standards. Like you have to keep laying down those standards and like pulling people up because you have to pull up. It's like those pants. You have to keep pulling them up. They're going to keep, that's the best example that I can think of. Those low-rise jeans, you have to keep those guys wearing them around. Like I had a class. I know I had a guy <laughs> like that. It's like, it's like why? But, but that's the best example. You have to keep pulling it up because it's going to naturally keep draining down, even with the best employees, right? It's not, that's the biggest shift. It's not everything that goes wrong that doesn't work. It's because of something you did wrong. So you have to have that sense of ownership and responsibility. When you start looking at things like that, even the worst employees or worst contractors, you can still get really high quality work from them because you you and your internal processes are solid. It is a little bit of a journey, but like I said, it's totally worth it.
1: Yeah, I like that you said that. I noticed that with me as I didn't bake in enough time to oversee, to like circle back and make sure things were good before we send it out. And I I never had anyone complaining about quality at all. But I internally felt like I'm dropping all of the balls and I don't like that feeling of, I don't know what's going out and my name's attached to it. So looking back at that year, my husband had also deployed for a year. So it was like not the year for me to do that, which is why I ended up telling a lot of my teammates like, here, take these clients and go. And I had one or two people like, tell me, you know what? I'm happy. I don't have to go get clients. You know, I don't have to worry about invoicing. And they're like, we don't wa- actually want to do this. <laughs> we want to stay <laughs> with you. And so yeah. it was kind of funny that there was kind of a natural, you know, parting of ways with some of them. And I don't know, it was just being realistic with the time it took to invest, yeah. to QC, to yeah. leave, And I, I was not in the place for that. But I know that a lot of us, like even in the work group, we're coming back and scooping up people to help with things. We're gaining clarity on what we're good at. Part of us getting more project-based, part of us like charging premium rates is like really leaning into what we're good at and leveraging that. And so I know like I just signed a fractional CMO client and part of that is me being very clear about what I don't do. And there's a lot of things in that proposal, like hire this person, hire this person, (laughs) and I can pass on the implementation, which I think is genius for both of us in our situations.
0: Exactly. And there are many ways to do this. thing. you don't have to pick an agency. You don't have to scale. You can choose what works for you, but you have to be very clear, like the culture that if you're starting an agency, again, we're going to touch on the culture a little bit. The culture that you have internally is the culture that's going to reflect for our clients. For instance, when I started out, I worked at an agency. It's all about, she said, you have to track your time. At every task you do, you have to track your time and you have to submit and toggle and you submit the report to her and she pays you by the hour. Right. Yeah. And like, no matter what you do, sometimes an email takes you like 15 minutes to write. Sometimes yeah. it takes you two hours. It's just how it is. And I realized that that's not the culture that I want in my agency. Like initially I thought maybe that's the best way to do it because I saw somebody else do it and be oh. very successful doing it. Right. And then I realized like, I don't want to look at these reports. I don't want to ask questions like, why did this take you two hours? Show me what you're doing. Why did this? I don't want yeah. to do stuff like that. You but want instead, people like that
1: working am... with you you know exactly (laughs)
0: yeah and now i empower people right i encourage them i empower them i give them responsibility i give them freedom i give them creative freedom all things i had to learn i gave them zero creative freedom and the stuff was crap and i was like okay so what am i doing wrong like i'm not letting them be i didn't hire people to tell them what to do i hired people like just like of our clients i hired experts who can tell me that what they can do so what am i doing so then i stopped And I empower them, like give the response, like give them support. So the stuff they came back with, so much better than stuff that I could have come up with myself. So I love That's the culture that I decided to go with. Like, no, we charge by per package, right? Doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm gonna price it per value. That's what I do for my clients. And that's why we have a profit sharing ratio as well. Every single person takes responsibility for results. And that's the culture we're building. So it's always fun. Like our team calls are fun. Every time I ask people, we do this quarterly one-on-one. I said, what do you like about this job? This job. Like, what do you like about the people? Like, what's the thing? I said, "No, oh, everybody's so helpful. Everybody helps each other out. And even when we're in a crunch, I always know my teammates have my back. And it makes me so happy to hear those things. Because when I started this business, I was in a very bad place personally, emotionally, mentally, physically. I was broken because it's hard starting a business is really, really, really hard. And like in back in 2018, 2019, we didn't have the kind of support that we have. There was no work group. There was no Emily Regan to tell us. I was like, I wish I had found you in 2019 or 2018 when I was trying to learn all of these things from YouTube and like all of these courses and different places. Nobody provides the kind of value that you do, right? So I was struggling. I was like, I wish I wish you had this. UDMA was available back when I was still learning all of those things, right? So- I was completely broken. And what I wanted to create was a place of joy, right? So my business name, which is is Elysian, and we are now doing a rebrand, The Social Catalysts. But it was Elysian because I wanted a sense of paradise. Elysian is paradise in French. And I wanted that. And my clients said that, like, when I work with you, I feel like, ah, finally, I can relax, put it on you, and I can relax. Like, I know you'll take care of it. And I wanted that my employees to have that same sense as well. That this is a place where they're appreciated, where they're happy and they are productive and they feel valued. And I'm happy to say that so far, touch I've been able to do that for my employees as well as my clients. And with a big rebrand coming and a website coming, we have like, we're looking to hit the next level of growth in our business. And now I'm developing next level leaders within my
1: agency. So
0: I am really excited about the possibilities.
1: I love that because that's the reason we're not back at the corporate, you know? We, we want that paradise. We want to have our dream. We want our cake and we want to eat it too. So And kudos to you. You've done such a good job. I know I have a similar story as a military spouse who's a nobody and always starting over. You doing it from India. I mean, everybody knows who you are now. You're very visible. Your social connection is just like working. So before we wrap this up, tell us like where can we learn that from you?
0: So the best way to learn, I have a bunch of podcasts. I share the framework and by the way any podcast that I do like I should say that it ends up being one of the top most downloaded episode in that show simply because I actually break down how I did this and how you can do this too right oh, so cool. I've shared my process that I have shared so but the best place to learn what I do is LinkedIn and if you want to know what type of clients I work with what type of wins and results they're getting then Instagram is the place to check that out
1: Okay, cool. I'll make sure we have all the links here too. But you you were mentioning the work group and how it wasn't around back in 2018 because Emily was figuring everything out and realizing (laughs) what a gap there was in this space. And I did something you did. And I took $2,000 I'd gotten as a bonus and turned around and invested it back in myself. And I went to the Stu McLaren event. It was called Tribe at the time. And I remember a couple people and one client in particular saying, like, why would you do that? And it was because I had a vision and I knew that the connections I would make and just being around like-minded people. And up until then, I had been a stay-at-home mom. I had never yeah. gone to a conference. I never had the luxury, the childcare, like the ability to do that for myself. And mm-hmm. I kind of took a gamble and did that with this little bit of money. And it was in Toronto, so it wasn't easy or cheap. And it was like the biggest payout of my life because my clients were sitting on Stu's stage. Everybody knew who I was because I was the person behind that client. And I got so much business. I had no website, no business card. And I was like putting the pieces together. (laughs) I was still figuring it out. And I just want everyone to hear that the timeline that took but the intentionality and like you're talking mm-hmm. about where you spend your time, you're showing up and showing up in the right way. This isn't about dancing in reels and getting a reel up. This is about being very smart with your limited time. Yes. What do you spend it on? It needs to be a business building, sales activity, relationship building activity, yes. not stressing out about a website nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We both did it. And like, look yeah. at us. Okay. I wanted to ask you before we go, what has been the biggest perk out of being in the work group? Because I was so freaking honored when I saw your name come through in the application because you are really the caliber of freelancer, marketing assistant, marketing specialist manager, launch manager that I want in the group. And what has been the biggest perk for you?
0: honestly everybody is super generous with their expertise with their knowledge and with what's working so I always know that if I have a question I have a place where I can go where I can like I can look for answers number one and number two it's honestly Emily it's you like I have joined other way like after I joined the work group I thought oh I don't know if places like these existed so I'm gonna go join a bunch more because like look at how many leads I can get yeah. none of them measured up none of them measure up because they while they post job postings it was it is not of quality in fact the first time I joined the work group twice the first time I joined I didn't recognize any of the people who were there in the work group I, I saw a few job posts come in I applied for a couple of them but you know like just half hazardly like I didn't know who these people were I just sent those pitches in like I didn't do the work so I didn't apply my own social connection framework I just sent in a pitch like you know just like a regular old pitch and it, it didn't work and I was like you know maybe this this is not for me and I and I like just like every other community I actually canceled and I thought you know this is not for me and and every time I send in a pitch I also follow those people on social I sign up for the emails because I like to know who they are and I saw that these are not low-level people these are like very high-level people with very serious businesses and I was like so the problem is not the quality of the leads the problem is that I'm not making an effort with those pitches right so then I signed up again I'm like nope Emily is a person and again I saw you with Brenna McGowan I saw all of the people that I respect and I look up to I saw them mentioning working with you and I saw them having conversations with you and I saw you talking about them and working with them and I was like okay so you know clearly I I like made a snap judgment. So I was there for a month, I quit for a month and then I joined back another month. And I'm like, nope, this is the community that I'm gonna stick on. Because like I said, it is about how you show up and it's also about showing up in the right places. If you have to have that caliber of working with these people at these high, high, high level, but you also need to be where people know you have the capacity and can connect you with those people. And you are super generous with that. A lot of people, especially considering you you still do client work. Mm -hmm. You still take on clients and you're still so generous with like connecting people, making introductions. I know you wrote an email introducing me to Linda because I do quiz funnels and you wrote. And for me, that was like, I've never seen anybody do that. Like actually take relationship, building relationships and like giving value and actually doing the work for a lot of people talk about it. But very few people actually do it. So for me. It's the culture that you are building in the work group, that because you are that generous with introductions, with sharing, uh, sharing connections, sharing value, sharing your knowledge. And when we said you did, you showed something, a document or this is how I do this. And I was like, I would love to see your process. And you, you quickly made a long video in a couple of days and you sent it. And it was so valuable watching that. It's not radical. I could probably spend three days and do it. Yeah, but I don't sure. have to. Yeah, right. Because you've shown me that process and it saves me so much mental energy because I can take that. I can show it to my team and say that, hey, you know, look at this whole thing. We're going to do this for our clients. Boom. That's like priceless.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love it. And that reminds me, there was another ball I'm probably dropping. I was going to go show Danielle how we do the live document support for her clients. And she was asking that question. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'll just do a loom and show you. But like that is the culture I want because I didn't have that you didn't have that when we were first starting. It goes two ways because you got on a call with me when I got stuck with a Weber, which was a beautiful moment. And I was stressed out. I'm sure there was a kid sick and I was doing something really stupid and hadn't really thought about it. And you got on a quick call. And like, that's what I remember being a freelancer and being new, like those little panicky moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm going to ruin my reputation because I am stuck on something and I cannot see out like past my feet. And I love that. So thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely, Emily. I'm just so honored to have gotten to know you and to just like get these amazing connections to all of these women and all of these business owners who are there in the work group right now. Because like you said, we never had this. I would say we never had this growing up. Like we had to yeah. like stumble and fall and struggle and like work so hard. And now yeah. it's, it's we're in a position to give back and it's amazing to see somebody actually doing that.
1: Yeah. And maybe we even get you to teach your social connection framework and the worker. Cause I think we all need those reminders. We all need to yes. be you know doing the relationship building. And that's really, that's really where we stand out. Like we've talked yeah. about this whole show. So thank you so much. All right. If you want to work with unicorns like us, come join us in the work group. And if you want to hire, hire a unicorn.com and we'll share your jobs. You know, you and I might not be taking on it, but our peers are there and they're also supported by us, which is really cool. And then what kind of clients are you looking for right now, Asai?
0: Right now, I'm I'm working with a lot of therapists and wellness coaches and life coaches and dietitians. So we're we're making a big pivot into that niche right now because I'm hiring more writers who have expressed interest in writing to that niche. But basically, anybody who wants offbeat social media strategy who doesn't want to do reels who doesn't want to be that influencer but they want significant presence and they want data-based results they want to look at the analytics and know that what we're doing is working for this specific reason so anybody who's looking for social media support like that are perfect for my social catalyst package where we work with you for three months we set goals business goals like either number of leads number of clients or number of enrollments, conversion. We set goals and we work with you. And within three months, if we don't hit those goals, we'll work with you for free until you hit those numbers. That's a guarantee that we have with our Catalyst package. So anybody you know who needs that, who needs that level of premium support and is willing to invest, if they have a guarantee, would be a perfect referral for
1: them. Oh my gosh, what a guarantee. I love that. And I love the niche you're carving out in like health and wellness. So that makes sense to pull your writers toward a, a content specific. So okay, thank you so much. We'll see you over on the work group and thank you for sharing everything today. All right.
0: Thank you so much, Emily. It was lovely talking
1: to you. Oh my gosh, wasn't that so good? Did you not learn a lot? Do you have insight onto an agency? Is this something you want to do? And what are the tasks that you could start? to offload very slowly so you can refine your delegation and leadership roles? Are there some tasks that you find yourself dragging your own feet on inside a client's business for your own business? It is not uncommon to seek outside help with your own business. Don't ever, ever forget that. If you are like a and you haven't quite done that website yet, it's okay. But definitely carve out the time or hire assistants. Do what Janelle did. She was back on the podcast, episode 178. She was feeling so guilty not having her website done that she finally got a copywriter to just help her. And that's normal. It's normal. And that's exactly why clients turn around and help us. So no sweat there, but pay attention. I have a couple workshops coming up next year that might help you with some of your promotional materials when it comes to pricing and packaging, when it comes to your portfolio or services guide, or when it comes to your website. So pay attention in the new year. I might have something you want to sign up for. All right, if you love this episode, please subscribe, give us five stars, share with somebody who is thinking, how can I get out of corporate? How can I work for myself? How can I get this time freedom? Somebody who's willing to do the work, who's willing to learn and will do what it takes to be successful, fully committed. We would love for that person to be introduced to our freelancing world you know, share this podcast and go ahead and give me a five-star review. I could really, really use the help there. Next week on this show, we're going to talk about this next level of how do you become a strategist? How do you pull out of the implementation and start doing strategy, which is something that Asai was talking about and I was talking about on this episode. So stay tuned. Don't miss it. And I'll see you next week. And make sure you get those work group applications in right now. All right. Bye. If you wanna niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I can also, oh God, I just messed up my makeup. Yeah, and I talk about, hang on one second. Let me shut my door. <laughs> My my brother just walked. My brother's here. I'm taking him to the airport. You just walked by. Um, I'm to go. Okay. Uh, he's starting some laundry. Okay. Sorry. That's probably going in the bloopers. <laughs> okay. And that reminds me of something I can tell you about when we turn off this podcast. <laughs> I have more connections. And just keep in mind that I don't know what I'm going to say. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Oh, how do I want to end this?